Hello, and welcome to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. Here at the Freedom Challenge, we strive to do good by helping enslaved women and children to do more than you ever thought physically possible and to do it together by connecting women with a heart for a hurting world. We hope you enjoy your time being informed and encouraged with host Tracy Doherty and our amazing guests. So let's get ready and join Tracy for this week's episode. Welcome, welcome. If the voice hasn't already given it away, this is not your usual host, the beloved director of Freedom Challenge, the one and only Tracy Doherty, but instead you have me, Ruth Willett, the prayer coordinator for the FCUSA. Yes, this is a prayer podcast and it's out there for all you amazing ladies walking part of the Barefoot Mailman Trail in Florida. But as always, it's not only for you gals, but for all who are supporting you in prayer and for those who have been invited to join with us or those who have stumbled in to listen to this podcast. Welcome. If you're a new listener and are wondering what we are all about here at the Freedom Challenge, I'd encourage you to listen to um, the last podcast in December 22, it's season two, episode four, because it gives great insight into who we are. But basically, we're a movement of passionate women who participate in physical challenges that test limits while raising prayer, funds and awareness to set women and children around the world on a pathway to freedom. Talking of freedom, our theme for this year is living freedom. And it so aptly represents who we are because for any of you who have taken part in a freedom challenge before, you can for sure testify that God runs as hard after our living freedom as he does after the freedom of those that we're fighting for, those that we deem way more urgent. But that's the thing about God. He's not limited the way that we are and he can do both. He can relentlessly work for our freedom without it taking away from the quote-unquote fight for the more urgent freedom of those who are actually enslaved. Anyway, I'm going to do this one a little differently today. We had a Florida challenge last year as well because you ladies rock and we have a large group of long-term engaged warriors from Florida. Um, And the one and only Michaela Mayo who's actually making this happen, she'll add the podcast from last year, which is season two, episode five. Because Debbie Gruenville did an amazing job of bringing some stats from Florida for us to sit with and pray about. And I think that this may be something you want to walk and pray with again. I know that I will. I do that often because I think these are great tools to help us keep praying into this issue of human trafficking. That disappointingly is a 24 hours a day, seven days a week, worldwide issue. And although the story that I'm going to read today is an example of someone having been brought from another country to another country. And this is one way that trafficking happens. Don't stop praying for your state, for your children and for your law enforcement and people in positions of power and influence, because unfortunately, this happens everywhere and in every echelon of society. And we need people everywhere to care. In fact, can we just pause the podcast now and begin to pray? Some ways you could pray here are pray for those in positions of power and influence, pray for schools and families, pray for those in urgent need of freedom, grab a friend and pray together and or walk silently and and just pray or in your home cry out, cry out 
for God to move or put on a worship song, but just pray. Okay, thanks for praying. And now I invite you to look around and just breathe. For those doing the beach walk, see the vastness of the sea and the beauty all around you. And just take a minute to think. The one that you are praying to is the one that set the sea in place and said to the waves, you can come this far and no farther. What can this God not do? And yet, Psalm 139, 17 and 18 in the NIV says, How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. The how precious to me are your thoughts could also read or be translated as how amazing are your thoughts concerning me. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. This makes me think of Passion Translation, which says, Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. And when I awake each morning, you're still with me. So I invite you, ladies who are walking, to pause and pick up a handful of sand and watch it slip through your fingers. Try to count just those grains and now say out loud, you cherish me constantly in your every thought, your desires towards me, your thoughts about me, thoughts that cherish me are more than the grains of sand on every Sure. Just try to imagine this. It's impossible. But let yourself imagine the God who created something as beautiful and magnificent as as what you're looking at right now. And this God, he's thinking of you. It's you that undoes his heart, his thoughts of you so full of so much love. He looks at all he's created, the magnificent mountains, the wild sea, the colours in the sky, the flowers and the fragrances. But it's you that makes him catch his breath and that fills his thoughts with thoughts of love. And just pause. Hopefully there's a smile on your face. If not, maybe this is something that you can wrestle with on this 10 mile walk. Ask God why this is hard to believe. Before I move off, I'm going to describe cherish. The Merriam-Webster, the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines it as to hold dear, to feel or show affection for, or to keep and cultivate with care and affection, or to cherish the memory, to entertain or harbour in the mind really deeply and resolutely. This is a place of being beloved, a place of letting yourself be the one that God calls mine, the one he cherishes. Why? Why am I talking about this now? Because then we can understand that this is how God feels about all his kids. And when we hear a story like Survivor's story, 
everything within us says no. This is not how I will let my sister be treated. Each and every person you meet is someone God loves this way. I want to digress for a minute and share something that has burdened my heart for a while now. I'll preface this burden with the first thing God asked me to ask you ladies to pray when I took on this role as prayer coordinator for the Freedom Challenge. He said, ask them, are we praying for the men? Men are keeping this going and men will help end it. Just like the radical conversion of Saul in the Bible, I am praying for the Sauls to become Pauls. I think in God's economy, such radical conversions of change and changes of heart are the norm, not the extreme. How we need the men to rise up and see, to see the women being used, see the children enslaved. May God raise up men and women with his eyes and his heart. This is my prayer challenge to you. I actually believe that there will be some key internal players that have been the ones keeping the women enslaved that God is going to transform and they're going to begin helping free the vulnerable and the enslaved because of their detailed knowledge of how it works. And I would love it if some of you took up the mantle and began praying for this. However, it needs to be more than a few key players. We need to be praying for men and women to see those being used and abused for pleasure as people made in the image of God. But also, ladies, we really, truly need to see these men as people made in the image of God. This is not going to be easy. When you hear some of the stuff that's going on, when you know about this industry, it's not easy to see people outside of their actions. So pause here and lift up this prayer however you can, maybe with eloquent words or maybe with groans and grunts, maybe a song. Thank you for praying. I know I'm asking a lot. You know, I have a friend who works with women in South Africa. Some she is lucky enough to rescue, others she just gets to nurse while they are still enslaved. It's a heart-aching job and she's an incredibly brave woman. One day she was dealing with some serious wounds and the effects of very traumatic witchcraft and she said to God, I have heard of the man who's done this and I cannot wait to give him a piece of my mind. To which she immediately heard God say, you could. I'd rather you gave him a piece of my mind. And as she was out walking and wrestling this out with God, she saw a man that she knew was this man, this man she had heard of who did all this to the woman. She kept wrestling with God as she walked up to him. Let's call him Michael. It's not his real name, of course. And she said, are you Michael? He raised himself up to his full height. Who's asking? To which my friend replied, my God was talking to me about you and he wants me to tell you and make sure that you know he loves you. Now, I know this will cause some of you to bristle and feel upset that this man is getting away with terrible behaviour. None of us will get away with anything. God is full of justice. All I know is I'm glad for God's merciful, loving kindness and glad that we are not defined by our mistakes, but defined by the one who made us and can restore, redeem and renew all things. Anyway, back to the story. This Michael broke down and 
shared his story and told her how he was involved in the accidental death of his young brother at a very young age. He was thrown out by his mum and called evil and those words have followed his life and action as he's just tried to survive and now he's living like he's living. Yet, even in living like this, he was crying out to be seen. He was crying out for someone to notice. And this woman, she began a relationship with the men, not just the girls, and she was able to both minister to them, but also they would call her to help take care of the girls that even sometimes they were the ones who beat. And this isn't a happy ending, but it is a space a small seeing where God's heart and hands got into spaces where his love and his light is very, very needed. Anyway, back to Florida in 2020. I was in a human trafficking meeting during the Super Bowl and an advertising campaign was being highlighted. One which had a wanted poster with a reward type poster and there was an actor who was being used in the wanted frame to represent a John, a user and abuser. And the statement was made that soon this would be a photo of a real person, not just an actor, someone who should be recognised for wrongdoing. And this was wildly celebrated with applause, as if it was the best news in the world. Now, don't get me wrong, I want the users and abusers to be stopped and I want the women and children and men to be protected. But this broke my heart. This was not a cause for celebration. It seemed to me like this was the enemy getting victory because anyone being seen less than someone worth saving seems to me like we're seeing through the wrong lens. And another thing that broke my heart that same month was in the stats of the victories and victorious wins during the Super Bowl human trafficking push. There was a story of a prostitute who was arrested offering herself for a pack of smokes and she so happened to do this to an undercover cop. Now I'm not trying to be political or controversial in any way. I'm just trying to highlight that this did not seem like a human trafficking win or success. In fact it felt like the vulnerable being unprotected and the reason for this rabbit trail. I want us to pause and to pray for the state of Florida. I believe that there's something significant in this, something that God wants to shine a light on and wants his people to walk in his way. I believe that on this walk and in your churches that you have a voice here that's powerful. What does it look like to see the one, anyone, even the men as made in the image of God as redeemable? And what does it look like to do justice while loving mercy and walking humbly with our God? knowing that he is trustworthy and just, knowing that he knows the full story. Because just like we can trust him to relentlessly work for our freedom without it taking away from the quote-unquote fight for the more urgent freedom of those who are actually enslaved, we can also trust him to bring justice in the best possible way. So pause and pray. You know, I think of David and Bathsheba and Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. You know, David did a despicable act. It's hard to even think of it. And God calls him out. Nathan the prophet is sent to show him the depravity of his actions. And somehow David knows that he can go 
with this and sit with God, sit in the secret place with his actions laid bare and somehow in his repentance that the mess will be redeemed because he's welcome to go to this God. And in doing this, he's called a man after God's own heart, one that knows his father so well that knows he can redeem and restore this, even if he doesn't accept it. But Uriah, who was murdered, was also a highly esteemed man of God. Do you know that in Matthew 1 and verse 6, in the genealogy of Jesus, it says, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Uriah had nothing to do with Solomon. He's not connected to his bloodline in any way. And the mention of this actually shows David to be the one who took another man's wife. But Uriah was a man who was honourable and deserves to be honoured. And I believe that's why he's in this genealogy of Jesus, because God knows how to restore us and redeem our stories, but it will never be at the expense of another. He is big enough to honour and love and care for and rescue all that need rescued and all who call on him. And I say it again, it will never be at the expense of another. So pause again and pray again for Florida that they would be a leader in the fight against human trafficking and that it would be woven through with mercy and humility. So back to your trail. The Miami Herald has a story about the barefoot mailman and talking of the trail it says that the scouts have done this year in and year out for many years honouring the through rain, hail, sleet or snow creed of mail carriers is what the annual Barefoot Mailman Historic Hiking Trail is all about and it's why they do it again and again. I, I think I believe that anything that's done with honour, like true honour, godly honour, it opens the door for a move of God. I don't think it's a coincidence that we have chosen this hike and that in some ways it's a symbol it's symbolic of the survivor story or travelling by boat and walking on dangerous train. There's just something that makes me think of this story that we did an Instagram post about last year. So I'm gonna read it. My name is Survivor and I come from a state in Nigeria. I lived with my parents. I'm the eldest of eight children. My parents were farmers and my mother sometimes worked at the market. I was able to go to school up to high school level, but I had to stop because we had no money. I learned hairdressing and worked in a salon. One day a lady came to have her hair done. I hadn't seen her before. I did her hair and she complimented my work. She also complimented my appearance and said she had a hair salon in France that her daughter ran. She explained that her daughter wanted to take up her studies again and she needed a replacement and offered me the job because she was looking for someone discreet and modest, good at her job with good appearance. Before I left for Europe, they sold me the hope of a better life, asked me for €35,000 and claimed that I would be able to make it back in only six months. I accepted her offer and said goodbye to my family. Part of the journey was in Nigeria. I was accompanied by a man who I thought was there to protect me, but he was there to watch me. We had to hide in a cramped car so no one could see our faces. The heat and smell was unbearable. It was hard to breathe and 
We were scared. Then we started to cross the desert. We suffered a lot. I was taken to see a juju lady who performed terrifying rituals and threatened me before my journey started. She told me that I would arrive in Europe in three weeks. It lasted longer, more than a month to cross the desert alone. I could not contact anyone. There was no signal and I couldn't go back because I had already gone too far. In Libya, the treatment was dreadful. I can't find words to describe it. We were like slaves, not allowed to make the slightest noise in case it alerted the police. If we spoke, we were beaten. If we complained, we were beaten. These men did what they wanted. As we continued our journey to Europe, some men came to get us and take us by bus to the sea. At midnight, they started the motor and we had to jump aboard quickly. It was dangerous, the waves were so strong and it was very dark. I couldn't swim so I called out to God, my big helper, because the water had come right up to my mouth and suddenly a hand from nowhere pulled me aboard just as the boat started. It was clear that my big helper had stepped in. We had spent a night and day on the water. It was the end of the day and the boat was filling with water and there was no life jackets. Some women were burned by the mix of water and gasoline. A big ship came towards us and it was the Italian Navy. They came to save us in the camp in Italy. When I was told that I was, when I told people I was planning to work in a hair salon in France and go to school, they made fun of me. That's when I understood I had been tricked and the person who brought me over wanted me to be a prostitute. Out of fear for the juju lady, I still agreed to travel to France. I felt completely trapped and helpless. Since I had been fingerprinted in Italy, my pimp put my fingers into some chemical products before my appointment with the immigration office so they could not identify my fingerprints and send me back to Italy. The woman beat me because I wanted to go back. She tore up my Italian identity papers and smashed my phone, destroying my Italian SIM card. She then took me to an apartment where three other girls were working for her. The other girls who worked for the madam took me to the place where I would have to prostitute myself. One of the girls discussed prices because I didn't speak French then. Often I would get 50 euros from the client. They gave me another name that I used when I was on the street. As soon as I arrived in Nantes, I was told to be suspicious of any people who came to talk to us at night because they worked with the police. Not long after, though, my madam left Nantes because she was afraid there were so many police raids happening and pimps arrested and she didn't want to get caught. She didn't explain why she was leaving. She just kicked us out of the apartment. So we tried to rent another apartment, all four of us, but we couldn't pay the rent and had to leave. Eventually, I contacted a helper who was a pastor and who often came to talk with us at night with a lady colleague. He came to talk and pray with us. And I had understood that contrary to what Madam had said, they were not enemies. They helped me. First, they paid for me to stay at a hotel for a week. And after that, I was able to stay in a room in church. I was so happy at the idea that I wouldn't have to work in the street again each month. I received a small amount of money from the Christian helpers so that I could buy food and clothes. Today, the sky is clearer. I have found a job thanks to a charity. I have an apartment. 
I cannot return home to Nigeria because my life would be in danger since I stopped the payments for my debt. I have received death threats, but I am no longer afraid to walk in the street. I draw my strength to stand tall thanks to my faith in God. And when I start to sing, music gives me new hope. Why do I read this story? There's three reasons, really. One, the rescue of Survivor is one of the reasons you're walking, fundraising, praying and raising awareness into the issue of human trafficking. And two, you're actually walking on a route that when it began, it was treacherous and full of danger. And although walking 10 miles on the beach maybe doesn't fill you with too much excitement, I would propose that this is a highly symbolic route that I am excited to see how God uses it having to go by boat and cross the water, encountering many perils. And yet, can you imagine the light and hope and connection that came from receiving mail? I believe that you two are bringing all these things and we are ending at a lighthouse. I just believe, I'm choosing to believe that the symbolism is striking and important, maybe even prophetically so, that as you walk, you're reclaiming some of the dark hopelessness that surrounds this issue of oppression and human trafficking. And thirdly, the last line, when I start to sing, music gives me new hope. Yes, when we worship, God fights. Even that fighting can give us new hope. My prayer is that we would be a people known as the worshipping warriors who changed the world. So pause the podcast now and pray for Survivor and all those that this story represents. I know, I know, some of you are thinking, here she goes, making a a leap of gigantic proportions comparing our 10-mile beach walk to Survivor's journey. But here is what I know. Comparison can be used to kill, or it can be used to heal, to free, and to see others the way God wants us to see others, to come alongside and feel their pain because we understand what pain took from our life, to give grace and understanding, even if our experiences are worlds apart. I think this is a gift straight from heaven. I know that I came to a point in my life where continuing in life felt nearly impossible and finding a quote-unquote way out felt like the only option because even though my journey was nowhere near as hard as survivors, the truth is that drowning is drowning. And when we believe the lie that because it wasn't so hard as dot, 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 that we have no right to grieve, then all it does is that we stay stuck in cycles of grief and we stay unable to come alongside others in that heavenly way mentioned above. So I say it again, drowning is drowning and comparing our lives to survivors, for example, could mean that we stay stuck and unfree but if we choose to feel our pain and grieve well to give it to God to believe that he's a master redeemer no matter what caused the pain think of David's story David Bathsheba and Uriah no matter what caused the pain well I believe this is a version of letting it all be about the one so that it can be about the many and this matters to God this matters to God. It's not all about work. It's not all about living well and getting it right. It's all about God. But so often God wants to let it be all about us for a time, because then 
The work that we do comes from a place of wanting to make sure the world knows just how amazing, kind, good, loving and involved our dad is, our God is. And we can actually show him as he is, show him in all his holiness. Well, as much as we're able to fathom and reflect that in this lifetime, but also in all his beauty as Abba Father, as Daddy. This God who plays with us, who places heart rocks on our path or shapes in the sky that he's waiting for us to notice, who sends us a friend older than you at just the right time, or who nudges someone to bake your birthday cake or gather your friends to make sure you're celebrated when you're in a season that would easily lay down the celebration. I urge you to pay attention to the small ways God is trying to love you, just you, in this season. And then reflect on who he is and all his majesty and let yourself be undone by this fun, caring, incredibly kind father who, although he's majestic, he calls you his. I'm going to end with a personal story. As God began to take me on a journey of teaching me his love, I began to realise that when the out When I heard God speaking to me, he was often calling me his baby girl, not boy, girl. I say this because some people seem to hear ghetto when I say girl, G-I-R-L. My response to this was, hmm, that's weird. Not sure I like it. I felt God laugh. I'm not sure how, I just knew he was laughing at me. And and I heard him say, I wondered how long it would take for you to realise you didn't like this. I really didn't like it. It felt strange. God is holy and to be worshipped. And and yet I heard him calling me his baby girl. It was strange. A little while later, I kissed my girl while she was asleep and said, hey, I love you, baby girl. To which God replied or asked, was that weird? Of course, my answer was no, it wasn't. And so God said, well, why is it weird for me to call you that? I really didn't have an answer and I thought that was the end of it, even though it still felt strange. But later in the middle of the night, God woke me up and asked me a question. Do you remember that feeling you had when you kissed your girl and said, I love you, baby girl? I was like, yes, it was pure, overwhelming love. And, you know, I answered to that effect, but added on. But it's easy to feel that like she was asleep and not answering me back laugh out loud. God said, I, I don't care about any of those details that, you know, you're you're saying that it's hard, this or it's easy here, or I just want you to remember that feeling of overwhelming love, that feeling you felt for your daughter and let it wash over you. Then I heard God say, this is how I feel about you every single moment I think of you. That's how I feel about my kids. That's why I called you my baby girl. Every single moment you are thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires towards me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. And when I awake each morning, you're still with me. So ladies, listeners, I'll say it again. Take the journey to be the one who hears the one tell you all about his every thought he has in his heart about you, how he cherishes you. And then go change the world as you love your neighbour as you yourself have been loved.
Thank you for joining with us for glancing on the darkness, but gazing on the one who was and is and always will be the answer to everything we will ever need, including this awful darkness, but who also is the one who cherishes us with his every thought. I will be leaving this podcast to worship to awe and wonder by the belonging company. Thank you for believing your steps matter, your prayers carry weight, and your God is fighting. So until next time, do good by helping enslaved women and children, do more than you ever thought physically possible, and do it together by connecting with women who have a heart for a hurting world. And until next time, listen for those grains of sand, those cherishing thoughts, because if you do, we may just see this world change in ways that we could never begin to imagine. Thanks for listening to the Freedom Challenge online podcast. If you liked what you heard, join the fight to set women and children on a pathway to freedom across the globe. We are a proud ministry of Operation Mobilization USA and encourage you to learn more at thefreedomchallenge.com and omusa.org for how you can get involved. Follow us on Facebook, on Instagram at the FCUSA, and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.